Yeah, just putting myself in that position where the, the only the only way, there's only one way, it's just to succeed. Welcome back to Young Smart Money. My name's Apple Crater and I'm your host. Now, a lot of us have heard about social media marketing. It's quite a buzzword these days, SMMA. And today I have somebody on who has had a ton of experience building their own social media marketing agency, somebody who has actually grown a YouTube channel to nearly 100,000 followers. He's done a lot of different things. His name is Ryan Hildreth. We've got him here on Young Smart Money today to talk about scaling up your social media agency, what to do when you hit challenges in your business, and we even talk a bit about motocross. So if you've gotten some value out of Young Smart Money so far, if it's helped you on your journey at all, please do consider leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. It helps us not not only grow the show and get it in front of more people, but it also helps you hear from even more amazing guests like Ryan Hildreth. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the show. All right, Ryan, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Doing great, man. Thanks for having me here. Absolutely. It's a pleasure to speak with you today. So um, first off, could you give our listeners just a brief overview of what you're currently doing? So if somebody was to know about you, um, what would they know about you? Sure. So um, I'm in the digital marketing space. So I help businesses get uh, more customers online through Facebook advertising, Google advertising. Um, and I also run an online education company where I teach people uh, exactly how to start up, you know, an online business. So anyone that's listening, that's interested in, you know, building an online business or getting into this space, uh, I have tons of, you know, free content on those things. So Awesome. Well, building online businesses is what we love to talk about here on Young Smart Money. So I'm excited to get into it. So first off, could we start with sort of how you got to where you're at today? So the, the two things that we really try to cover here are talking about money and then also talking about entrepreneurship. So could you talk about your experiences with both of these um, sort of at a young age and what that really looked like for you? Okay. So yeah, I guess we could go back to like when I was younger. Um, I guess I've always been kind of the kid that like I saw my parents kind of struggling with, you know, always talking about their struggles with money and stuff like that. So it always stressed me out as a young kid. Um, maybe some of you can relate with that. You know, I always saw my mom like, Oh, well, you know, turn off the lights and you know, that kind of stuff, you know, just penny, uh, penny pinching, um, you know, cutting out coupons for groceries and stuff. Um, but you know, we, we, I had a great childhood. I, you know, we're, middle-class family. We weren't like broke or anything, but uh, mm. I've, I felt like we were. So I think that's kind of what inspired me to like get into entrepreneurship and really build a business to where I have no income cap, meaning I can make as much money as I strive for. Right. Whereas if you go more of the corporate route, you know, you have a salary or, you know, a base pay, and then maybe you get a 3% raise every single year. And I knew that wasn't for me because I always saw my parents doing that and they were always stressed about money. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to build something that I can, you know, help others, but also, uh, you know, make tons of money doing right. Yeah, so absolutely. That's kind, of, that's kind of how, like, I guess, you know, I went the whole pre-med route and. Oh, just, really? Yeah. Because I thought, you know, my mom was always like, my mom's a nurse and she's like, yeah, doctors make a lot of money. So I was like, okay, let's do that. Then, right. <laughs> let's do that. And I quickly realized that, um, there's definitely uh, a lot of stress and a lot of time spent in school, uh, to become a doctor. So I wouldn't be really making money like, you know, six figures until I would be maybe 38 years old. Wow. Um, 
so I, I dropped out of San Jose State, came back down to uh, Southern California where I went to Cal State Fullerton for business finance because okay. I was going to go into the wealth management route. Definitely a shift there. You definitely a shift. Definitely. Um, I, I had a family member who worked at an investment bank. So hmm. uh, she, you know, got me an internship and then I landed a associate position there. Wow. Learning all about finance and business. And I'm like, man, like, you know, there's tons of opportunity here. I think that I can start my own business, mm. uh, you know, doing, doing something online. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to figure it out. And that's kind of when I took a couple courses on social media marketing and learning about advertising and marketing and sales. I'm like, wow, dude, there's so much opportunity out here. So many businesses that aren't using social media to get customers. That's where everyone's communicating and hanging out. Um, so I knew that I could start a business around that and that's kind of where it took off. You know, I started my agency, started my YouTube channel at the same time. So I documented my journey and, uh, it just kind of exploded from there. And then that's when I got into the online education space too, teaching people how to do it. And that was a whole nother, um, you know, huge opportunity as well. So awesome. So what drew you to the, uh, the marketing side of things? Because obviously there are a bunch of businesses living in the past using things like billboards, magazine ads, um, yeah. and whatnot. So what drew you to that sphere? Well, when I was working at the bank, um, uh, my, my boss, she needed more clients, right? She wanted to get more clients, build her book of business. And the only way that she was able to do that was, you know, through word of mouth or through mm -hmm. her clients and going to like networking events and stuff like that. Um, and I'm like, why, you know, she had a LinkedIn profile. Why wasn't she able to kind of market on there and, and do that kind of stuff? Well, there's so much restriction in that industry that, um, you know, she yeah. just wasn't able to. So I was like, man, they're like, these big banks are so behind in the times, you know what I mean? Like, so I think that kind of drove me, I had a conversation with the actual, the, um, the marketing, I think it was like the chief marketing officer or something. And he told me, he's like, Facebook is for uh, Candy Crush and <laughs> my, my nine-year-old daughter. We don't associate with, um, you know, Facebook. And it's funny now because I see that, you know, that particular, yep. they're running ads now yep. on Instagram and I'm like, oh, really? You know, so <laughs> that's kind of uh, was the turning point, point for me. You know, hmm. I was like, I'm more open-minded and I want to utilize these strategies to really help other businesses and, you know, maybe build my own business. So very interesting. And speaking of all that red tape and compliance, I am actually interning with a large financial institution this summer. And I'm actually kind of concerned with the state of my personal social media, because through the interviews, um, I've been told they have some pretty strict compliance policies. So I'm not totally sure about how that's going to roll out. So definitely yeah. compliance is definitely something to be aware of in those big organizations. Definitely. We'll have to, we'll talk about that more after. Yeah. There's yeah. <laughs> a lot of compliance in the, in that space for sure. Um, so you also mentioned that you bought some courses starting out. Um, what made you want to do that? Did you get value out of those or what did you, what did you see as, as your, your driving factor to buy those courses? So it was funny because I was always afraid to spend the money on the yeah. courses. I was like, you know, but it's funny because I spent so much on college, right? Thousands and thousands of dollars, <laughs> um, for books, courses, right? And, uh, and I was afraid to spend a thousand dollars on an online course. And, mm. um, my, my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, uh, she moved, you know, across the country for me and she was like, wow. 
I'm buying the course for you. She put it on the credit card and she's like, there's no questions about it. Cause she's all into that. She's all into education and learning more. Um, so she actually was the one who pushed me to like invest in a few courses. She, she put them on the credit card and she was like, take them. I already bought them for you. So I was like, cause I kept talking about it for months on, on end. I was like, man, should I take this course? And she's like, I'm tired of you talking about it. She put it on. Wow. That's, <laughs> that's some moves right there. Yeah. So yeah, she, she really has like, I wouldn't have been able to do what I've done without her. Like she really pushed me to just kind of take that leap of faith. Cause I've always been very conservative. Mm. Um, you know, my parents, I, I'm half Filipino. So my mom, my mom's side of the family is super conservative Filipino, you know, like, uh, don't spend money on anything, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of how I got into it. Wow. So, so through that course and, and through, I mean, you really do have to take a leap of faith at some point if you're trying to start some kind of, of entrepreneurial endeavor. There is going to be a point where you have to say, am I going to do this or am I just going to sit here and think about it? So that's key. Did you get a lot out of these courses, do you think? Were they, were they what you needed at that point? Or how, how, did those, how did those work for you? Definitely. At the time, when I took these courses, I was learning things that I didn't know was even possible. I was like, wow, I like my, I'm mind blown right now. (laughs) And and it's funny looking back because how much I know about advertising and in the whole space, I'm like, wow, those courses were very basic. Hmm. But at the time I didn't know anything about business and entrepreneurship and marketing sales. So at the time that's exactly what I needed to give me that a jump start and to really get my, you know, blood flowing and get me excited about, um, building my own business. Awesome. Well, getting started building your own business, was it just you or did you have a team um, that you had built around you or, or what did that look like? Uh, it was just me. It was just me, man. Every single day I would, uh, you know, print out business audits. I would go to like 10 to 15 different businesses. I would literally just walk in and try to talk to the manager or the owner. Um, I, you know, I had a, you know, just basic printed out business audit for them, showing them where they can improve with their social media to get more customers. And like, it was basically cold calling and door knocking. Wow. (laughs) Did you have some kind of income source on the side that that allowed you to support yourself or or what did that look like? Um, at the time I was trading stocks, which was a small income source, but very volatile. Mm. Um, but no, it was pretty much, it was pretty much just, I, I quit my job. I dropped out of college and I just went for it. Um, you know, we had credit card debt, but my wife at the time, you know, who's my girlfriend at the time, she, you know, she just got her job. So we were kind of like, okay, well at least her job could like, you know, cover, cover the, the monthly rent. Wow. So was that, that was, in California that you guys were living at the time? Yeah. Yep. That's bananas. That's, that's yeah. a high standard of living right there. Yeah. It's super expensive here. It's super expensive. Like compared to where, you know, she lived in North Carolina, it's very uh, a lot cheaper, a lot cheaper cost of living. So um, yeah, pretty much like I need to start, need, I need to make some money. I need to land a few clients to pay off some of the credit cards and, and <laughs> get back up on our feet. You know, was that, was that a really driving factor for you? The fact that like, I need to, I need to make this work. I need to like do something. Was that, did that keep you going? Yeah. Just putting myself in that position where the, the only, the only way, to, there's only one way it's just to succeed. You yeah. know, I don't recommend everyone put themselves in that position, right? It's, it's kind of like there, there definitely has to be some sort of responsibility there, but I put myself in a position where the only choice was to succeed. Mm-hmm. Right? 
and that was just my driving factor. That was like, you know, I have a wife now that I have to, you know, take care of. I have a family of my own. I, I need to, you know, get things going. So yeah. And sometimes that's exactly what you need. You need to have that ultimatum of like, you got to sink or you got to swim. And if you're not going to swim, you got to find a job because you can't, yeah. you can't survive like this. So that's, yeah. that's, that's a really, it's a powerful thing for a lot of people. Um, but some people it doesn't work for, but some people it's like really, really strong. So yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. What were some of the other big challenges you faced as you were sort of progressing into starting your own business um, besides the fact that you had um, little to no runway and were one income? Um, I think definitely communicating with, with business owners and stuff like that, that was a big barrier for me because I wasn't comfortable like going door knocking and like talking to adults that you know, were way older than me and more yeah. experienced than me. It was just kind of uncomfortable at first, but I noticed that the more I did it, the more normal it became for me, you know? Um, and then obviously just, uh, setting aside time to continue to learn, right? Mm. Because I think that's one thing a lot of new entrepreneurs, once they, you know, get off the ground, they start making some good money, they stop learning. And that was like the whole thing that got you here, right? It's like you continue yeah. to learn. Um, so I think that's another major uh, kind of pain point that, I, that I've continuously been working on. Was the fear of rejection something that really impacted you as well when you were going to these businesses? Like, were you like, was that one of the biggest reasons why it was so hard for you? Definitely. Definitely. Fear of rejection. I mean, no one, no one likes to get rejected, but yeah. once you're okay with that, once you go in to the business, knowing that, you know, there, there's not like an outcome that I need. Like, I don't need to close this business. I'm just going in there to like establish a relationship. And if they like me, I like them then maybe we can work together. And when you go in with that mindset where you're not like expecting something, mm -hmm. right? A lot easier because then you're not nervous. They're not nervous. And it's just kind of, it's more, it flows better. Yeah. I mean, being nervous really just doesn't help any part of the situation. So if you can just go yeah. in and have that confidence, that's really going to, that's really going to show through. Um, yeah. How many, how many businesses do you think you went to before you got a yes? Um, actually it was, it was, I got a yes pretty quick. I think I went to like 12 businesses and then, um, you know, I got a yes from, it was a jeweler, a local jeweler. And, uh, yeah, it, it wasn't, it wasn't that bad. I was like, okay, okay, well now we just need to keep, <laughs> keep going. <you> know? And <laughs> now there's obviously new strategies like utilizing LinkedIn or utilizing, um, you know, different, uh, freelancing sites to, mm -hmm. um, you know, land clients on a monthly retainer. Because uh, there's tons of businesses that actually are looking for these services online. Mm. So you were, you were approaching businesses. You were just walking in off the street, they, not going to businesses that were actively teaching, searching out services like yours. You were just proposing yeah. that they start doing this when they weren't doing anything and they were looking for it. Yeah, which is a lot, which is a lot harder because yeah. if, you, if you go online and you could land a client that's already looking for these services, it's already they're already looking. So. Yeah. It's, it's more tailored, but when you go in just <laughs> like I was doing, it's kind of, you have to really build that relationship first. That's yeah. That's gotta be terrifying. Especially if you, if you've never interacted with this business owner before, just coming in and like proposing stuff to them. Like I would be terrified of that. Um, yeah. cause that's I, just way out of my comfort zone. One business. It was funny. The, the guy, he got upset because he was the manager and he was like, Oh, he, he was excited. I got him excited about the opportunity and he talked to the owner I guess the owner kind of shut him down and the next time I went in he just told me to get out I was like whoa like 
what did I do? You know? And he's like, get out. We don't need you. Like he started, like, I was just, I was just flabbergasted. I didn't know that, you know, that would, could happen, but you know, that happens sometimes. Jeez. Did you ever, did you ever feel like particularly doubtful of yourself or, or like the imposter syndrome kick in when you were going to these businesses, when you hadn't sort of proven yourself yet, you learned all these things, but you hadn't actually started applying them. Was it tough for you to feel like you were actually somebody who um, was qualified to be providing these services? Yeah, definitely. I think that's, that was one of the biggest things, imposter syndrome. Uh, I know Sarah Blakely talks about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just having that belief in yourself from the get go, you know, and if, if you feel like you can't provide the, you, ha- you have to just have, because it's all conversation with yourself, right? Or right. these conversations with ourselves in our head, we tell ourselves we're not enough or we're not good enough to provide a service like this. But, um, if you could tell yourself every day, switch that conversation to something positive, like, no, I am enough. I can do these services. I I'm going to be successful at this. Then I think that can definitely help you. And, you know, if someone asks, okay, well, what's your experience? You can always say, you know, you're actually the first business I want to work with. I'm willing to do a two week free trial just to show you I can get your results, you know? And in a lot of people say, oh, never do free work. But I, I say on the contrary, because if you do those two weeks free, now you have social proof, you get them some results, you get them some emails, some leads for their list. And now you can go to the next business and say, yeah, I worked with this business, got them some leads, uh, maybe got them a couple sales, and there you go. You know? Yeah, I completely, completely agree with this. I'm such a huge proponent of, of people working for free. In fact, I run um, not quite a social media, it's more of a social media agency um, aimed at influencers, but yeah. my whole business model was just approaching influencers with free value, working for free, and then building that relationship so that eventually they saw how valuable I was to their business, and then they took me on and started paying me every single month. So. I'm a huge proponent of working for free. It's brought me so many valuable opportunities. So I can't stress that enough. I'm really glad you brought that up. And I think especially just being real with people and letting them know, like if they are your first client, don't lie. Don't say, oh, I've got all these, I've got this whole repertoire of experience. Don't, don't lie. Like be real with them and yeah, Yeah. offer them, offer them free work because if you're actually worth it and you can prove that to them, then they're going to see that and then they're going to bring you on. You have nothing to worry about. Yep. Completely, completely agree with that. Um, so, so progressing throughout your journey, did you have any people who were particularly influential on you as far as like mentors went? Um, I know you took those courses, so you might've had connections with the people who created those or just, just mentors in general. Um, yeah. So I had a few mentors, obviously my mentor at the investment bank, uh, she was definitely taught me everything about business and how the world works, economics, like yeah. and, and sales. She really taught me sales because what wealth management is, is, you know, it, financial advisors are salespeople, you know, they're, they have to go out there and, and sell their services. So, um, she was definitely one of my first mentors. And then I would say Ty, you know, Ty Lopez, mm. for those of, uh, you have seen the here in my yep. garage, um, ad, you know, he was someone that, uh, I was introduced because before entrepreneurship, I was actually, you know, I was definitely afraid of talking to girls, right? Mm. Like for some reason. And I was, I wanted to improve my social skills with women, right? So I, I got into the success with women space. Um, and there's a company called Real Social Dynamics. And the, the, uh, one of the co-founders, Owen Cook, he actually is friends with Ty. And I saw Ty in one of his videos. And I was like, wow, 
this guy seems pretty interesting. And obviously, because I think Owen's cool, I was like, Ty must be a cool guy too. And then I started seeing all of Ty's ads and then I watched the channel and then I, you know, eventually took one of his courses. So it was definitely um, an inspiration to me because uh, just some of the things that he taught me, you know. <laughs> I mean, I'd figured when you said you took social media marketing courses that yeah. Ty's would have been one of the ones there. Cause that's like, I don't know, to me, that's like the iconic social media marketing course. Um, yeah. So, so I just figured, but that's, that's really cool that, that he has been quite an influence on you. And personally I do, I listen to his podcast quite a bit actually. Um, but yeah. that's really the only content of ties that I do consume, but I think he's got a lot of interesting points to make. Um, okay. and he's definitely got some, some value to provide the conversation. Definitely. So I know you're, you were at one point interested um, in motocross and yeah. I wanted you to actually talk a little bit about where that interest came from and then how that, um, if there are any skills that you learned or, or just habits that you developed via motocross that translated into your entrepreneurship. Dude, that's, that's actually where the entrepreneurship, like the, the fire started was really? in motocross. So I, I started riding motocross just for fun, like out in the desert when I was about nine years old. Okay. Nine? Nine. Yeah. So I was pretty young. And, um, but we'd always go to supercross and watch the races. Right. And this is a whole different type of field, right? These people are athletes. These people train, you know, have trainers. They spend hundreds of thousands of dollars being trained and uh, practicing every day. And I was like, I want to be a professional motocross rider. So at 12, um, my dad decided that, you know, we would start going to the track instead of the desert. So we'd start training at the track, you know, paying, you have to pay a gate fee and you get in and, you know, train with other riders. Um, and then, yeah, then I started racing by 13 and I got my first sponsorship. And it's funny because I did this all on my own. Like my parents didn't know what I was doing. I like applied for sponsorships when I was 13 years old. What? Yeah. Like online, I just found these websites like, uh, you know, different like Renthal, they make sprockets, um, you know, for the bike and, ASV levers, uh, different, uh, Vestal watches, like just these different sponsors that I applied to, I would send them a resume. Like I, I wrote out a little resume, <laughs> of why, how I would promote their brand and how I would, you know, rep, rep the company professionally at the, at the races. Um, so that's kind of where it started. Like I did this all on my own. I would watch hours and hours and hours of content on how to improve my riding skills. Um, and then when I was, 17 or actually 18, um, I was ranked number three in Southern California. So that's kind of when I was, I wanted to go pro. I wanted to be a pro rider. Um, so I was like, okay, this year, you know, I'm qualifying for the nationals. I'm doing all this. My, you know, we spent lots of money on my racing. Um, and I broke my leg. Mm. I broke my leg out in practice. And that moment I was like, man, I, I don't think that I can ever do this again, like go through this pain again, because as a professional rider, you have to be willing to, um, you know, be okay with getting hurt because it's part of the game. It's a dangerous sport. Uh, so that's kind of when I decided like I would stop racing for, uh, you know, I would just ride for fun and, um, get into go to college and figure it out. So that's kind of where my entrepreneurship started was actually motocross. Yeah. Wow. I, I didn't even know what a resume was at 13 years old. And here you were like <laughs> applying to all these different things. That's, that's bananas. Yeah. Dude. Not, not many people know that. So I'm glad that you asked me about uh, the motocross scene. Yeah. Yeah. I like to do a little bit of research on my guests before I have them on. So yeah. 
I, sure. I, I, I grabbed that. And then also um, your interest with cars. So I know a lot of entrepreneurs and, and, and business owners do have an interest in cars. Personally, I have like zero interest in cars. I hate driving. I don't really <laughs> like cars that much. Okay. So I was just wondering if you could talk on that a little bit, maybe like explain to me where the interest comes from, why there are so many people who will have like these fascinations with cars. Cause I just, I personally don't even get it. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a good thing, man. It's a good thing because you're going <laughs> to save a lot of money. You're going to save a lot of money throughout your life because you don't have a, that interest with these cars. They're so expensive. But um, yeah, no, ever since I was younger, my dad would take me to the Long Beach Grand Prix. I would watch IndyCar racing. Um, he would take me to, you know, the Ferrari dealership. And I remember this one dealership we went to in Newport, there was a McLaren F1 in the, in the windows gold. I was like, wow, this, this car is like, my dad's like, this car is the car. This is like iconic car. Um, so I, I guess just ever since I was young, I would always have like hot wheels. I had boxes and boxes of hot wheels. <laughs> um, I, I, I drove those little, you know, remote control cars. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's just, I guess it's just a fascination of mine. And now that I don't ride motocross anymore, like I don't even have a bike. Um, it's just kind of my outlet, even though I know there's a speed limit, you can't, you know, <laughs> you can't break the speed limit, but you know, it's just kind of my outlet. Huh? Very interesting. And I think everybody has their own stories. I've asked a couple of guests about this before, just because I'm trying to figure it all out. Um, because I don't, I don't understand it, but <laughs> I think that's very interesting. And a lot of people, it is, it is starting at that young age, having that experience that really, um, drives them to have that interest for, for the rest of their lives. So yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting. Yep. For sure. Now I want to dive more into the, uh, the social media marketing side of things and give our listeners some, some sort of strategies, a brief overview of what this industry actually is. Um, so can you start off by just sort of explaining what being a social media marketer is? Yeah. So being a social media marketer, you're coming up with a strategy to get a business more clients, right? Online. So you'd be running um, Facebook ads for them, Instagram ads, Google ads, right? These ads show up uh, you see them on Facebook, on the news feed, or Instagram, on the Instagram feed. Um, basically, just helping businesses build their email list because emails are very important um, mm. to follow up with people. And also, you know, getting more clients, right? Getting more clients, selling more services and products um, because businesses, obviously, they need, to, they need to increase revenues to pay their employees, to innovate, to come up with new products, new services. So, um, the marketing side of things is everything. If you can't market your product effectively, it's not going to sell, right? Like mm -hmm. anyone can make an awesome, like invent the coolest gadget or whatever it may be. But if you don't have the marketing behind it, it's yep. not going to sell, right? So yeah, people got to know about those products. They got to know about what you're providing to them. So exactly. what kind of businesses does a uh, social media marketer work with? Or is, the, is there a variety of businesses? I mean, it's variety. When I first started, it was like any business that would, you know, give me the time of day. It was like if it was a hair salon or a jeweler or, you know, whatever, a real estate agent. Um, but now, I mean, I think there's so much opportunity in the influencer space, mm -hmm. uh, you know, helping influencers monetize their brand, helping influencers build that reach. Um, because there's tons of influencers out there that have millions and millions of followers, uh, but they you know, don't really make much and they don't, they don't make enough to support themselves and continue providing that content that their viewers enjoy. Um, so I think there's a lot of, uh, um, opportunity there. 
Yeah. I mean, that's exactly the business that I work in. And I can tell you that there is a lot of opportunity here. And so many, like you said, so many influencers with these huge, huge followings that really have no idea how they can be monetizing them in, in an effective manner. So yeah. that's, that's a huge, huge untapped market in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, so as you're starting out, so basically, as, as you said, you're working with these small, usually it's like small mom and pop places, right? Not like these yeah. huge corporations, huge chains. Yep. Okay. And yeah. that's, okay. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, the small businesses for sure, because I mean, if you're going to go to a bigger corporation, usually they have that in-house. Yeah. Like you can't just go to Chipotle. I mean, I've tried. <laughs> That's why I know. <laughs> because if you go to Chipotle, it's a franchise. So it's like they, you can't just market that one store. It's like they do all their marketing in-house for all the Chipotles. Right. So that's why the smaller businesses are probably better to go to. Um, and most of them don't even know what they're doing. Like they don't even have a Facebook or an Instagram and stuff like that. So, yeah, I actually talked to the owner of a, of a coffee shop here in Madison last night and he was doing all of his own social media stuff. I went to the, I went to the page, I looked at some of the ads that he was running and it was, it looked pretty abysmal to be honest. So I can definitely vouch for the fact that a lot of small business owners aren't super familiar with what they're doing when it comes to social media. They're kind of just throwing random things at the wall. Um, don't even know how to measure if they're successful or not. So there's, there's, a, there's a ton of potential there. Do yeah. you usually see social media managers working primarily in sort of one niche? Like would they just work with coffee shops or jewelers or, or is it sort of like a variety within each social media manager? Um, I mean, I have been seeing like a lot more niche specific managers, social media managers, because I think as you progress, um, there might be a certain type of business you want to work with, right? Like maybe you enjoy that industry. Um, but at first I say, you know, approach as many businesses as possible. Don't just stick to one niche because that niche might not be your forte. Like it might not be somewhere where you resonate with. So, um, I think it's good to like go out and, and kind of approach all types of businesses to see where you want to, you know, continue working. Um, but definitely specializing, I think is, is, um, a better way to go because then you have like systems in place for a specific type of business. Like if you're helping real estate agents, you in primarily like luxury real estate agents, then you have some systems in place for them to get another luxury real estate client and kind of provide that same service, you know? Yeah. And it seems like you could have a lot more competitive advantages, at least from my outside perspective, if you were in a niche, like how would you market, if you were somebody who didn't have a niche, like what would your competitive advantage be or what would some examples of competitive advantages be? Um, I mean, if you weren't niche specific, I mean, there's really no, the advantage is, is that most of them are paying, like what I've found is that a lot of these businesses are paying for social media marketers, but it's like at a, it's kind of like a cookie cutter sort of service, right? Like they're going to these bigger social media marketing corporations that are just kind of like providing cookie cutter services like, Oh, we'll do SEO. We'll rank your website, that kind of stuff. Mm. But they're not focusing on like the brand message, right? Like tailoring a brand message marketing strategy to really um, promote, you know, who they are. Uh, like it, it's not as deep, right? So yeah. I think that's the advantage when you don't, you don't have many clients, maybe you're just getting started with this. Um, you have more time to really spend with that one business. 
Yeah, being that small, nimble operation could really allow you to go a lot deeper with them and really provide a, a tailored service, like you said, to them rather than some, something like a big cookie cutter thing. So I think that that's a great competitive advantage when you're on that smaller scale um, and a really yeah. good way to pitch yourself. So what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see people who are trying to get into social media uh, marketing making in their sort of attempts? Uh, I think not, not going out enough, not approaching enough, not talking to enough people and building those relationships. Like I think a lot of newer social media marketers expect to get a client right away. And it's, this takes time. This takes uh, relationship building, you know? Um, if you establish a relationship with a business owner, maybe the fifth or seventh time you talk to them, they'll go with your services, but not the first or second, you know? Uh, and I think that's the biggest mistake. Mm. It's like- Gotta romance a girl a bit, you know? You can't just, can't just go yeah. for the kill right away. <laughs> yeah, you can't go for the kill right away. You can't like go for the kiss on the first, you know, uh, encounter. On the like, first hello, you can't just, can't just go yeah. in for that. Like you gotta- Hi, you know, how are you? What's your <laughs> name? Like get to know them, you know? Get to know them a little bit. Exactly. Um, before you just whip it out, you know? So <laughs> it's like, exactly, exactly. Couldn't be better said. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Um, so how do you, within your, within your agency, there's gotta be a lot of um, both stability and unknowns. And this is a question that I like to propose to all of my guests. It's really just, how do you, how do you find a balance between like things that are knowns and things that are unknowns within your business? And how do you sort of decide where to take these uh, risks and where to sort of play it safe? Mm, that's a that's an interesting question. Um, I guess I mean I guess this space is changing so much all the yeah. time. So it's always going to be unknowns. Like you you just have to test. I think that's the biggest thing. Like test, test, test. So if you're running a campaign for a client or you know for your own business, um, you have to test different things, different audiences, different different targeting. Like testing is the biggest thing. So don't be afraid to lose a little bit of money. Um, when you're testing a campaign or when you're testing your marketing skills, you might, you might lose a little bit of money, but it's not a loss because it was an investment in your, uh, getting to see like what, you know, you're getting more familiar with what these things are like Facebook advertising, right? Like mm. when you first start off, you're not going to be the best Facebook advertiser. Like there's just so much to learn. There's so much testing to be done before you actually um, get familiar with how the platform works. Mm. Which yeah. platforms are you focusing primarily on or do you see the most potential on for social media management right now? Um, is it Facebook? Is it Instagram? Or what do you, what do you focus mostly on? Um, I think that as far as I'm trying to think, I think YouTube's the best. I think YouTube has the best, like video content is, is great. Yeah. Um, video content is, is where you could really build that relationship with someone. Um, so I think businesses need some video content, right? I think they need a channel um, and they need to be running ads on YouTube because it's so cheap right now. I think Facebook is definitely, it's not overpriced, but Facebook the prices, you see the costs going up because more and more corporations are now spending, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars on Facebook ads. So hmm. I think YouTube, pre-roll ads are definitely underpriced right now. Do you think that's because there's a bit of a barrier to entry to that? Because like on Facebook, you could throw up a quick like illustration and some copy in like half an hour, but on YouTube, you actually have to like produce a video. So do you think that's one of the reasons why, or, or why do you suspect that YouTube is sort of more underpriced? Um, I actually don't know why. I, I think, I think maybe, yes. I think 
maybe corporations think that they have to produce some sort of like major, you know, uh, commercial style yep. of video for these YouTube pre-roll ads when I think they shouldn't, they should, they should maybe focus on something more simple that they can get up quicker. Um, so yeah, maybe, maybe that's why. And I, and I think maybe that's why, because Facebook, you can, you know, put up a quick image, right. And just run, run an ad with an image rather than a video. Hmm. Maybe these corporations need to be taking a lesson from Alex Becker over here and just getting the, <laughs> getting the quick yeah. to the point videos on their right. uh, YouTube pre-rolls. Exactly. <laughs> What are some, what are some action items listeners can take if they do want to take that leap into learning more about social media um, marketing? What do you think would be some good either resources or just steps to, um, to start feeling out if this is something that they want to be interested in? Yeah. So, um, watch my YouTube channel. <laughs> One of my YouTube channel is tons of free content. I, I highly recommend, you know, watching some free content out there, but invest in a good training course, invest in a good program that you think, um, can provide you that, that education that, you know, you're going to actually going to know what you're doing or have a good understanding of what you're doing and then go out and implement, take action, go approach businesses and, and then utilize the skills that you learned from the course that you took or the program that you took, uh, to get those businesses customers, you know? Um, completely agree. I think a great way to go is to use that free content to sort of figure out, okay, is this something that I'm actually interested in? If it yeah. is, then take that next step and invest in something that's actually going to show you like A to Z, this is what you got to do to create the successful business. So I think it's yeah. to make that progression and not just hop in and buy 10 courses and 10 different topics and then figure out you don't really like any of them. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Because there's tons of free content that you can watch and kind of see what what you like, right? <laughs> and experience Absolutely. So, yeah. so I've got some questions here that I like to ask all of my guests before we go. Um, they're quick questions, but they don't have to be quick answers. So feel free to take your time in answering them. The first okay. of which is what are you excited about right now? And this can be something in your business, in the sort of global landscape, just like something out there that you're excited about right now. Huh. I'm excited about just where the attention is going. You know, like I, I, I want to see what, where is the next, like, what is the next Instagram? Right. And I'm trying to find like kind of where that attention is going. Um, uh, but I'm really excited about messenger bots. That's just something that I've been working on for my business and for, um, you know, clients as well. Hmm. Because I think it's really untapped. Um, and for those listening, if you're not familiar with what a messenger bot is, well, it's basically, uh, you know, the messenger app on Facebook where mm -hmm. it's like where you send messages to people, um, a messenger bot can respond to people, um, kind of with AI or like automated responses. So I think that's something that, uh, is definitely exciting and I'm, I'm learning a lot more about right now. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, there's over a billion people on messenger alone. That's not even like the whole of Facebook. That's just on yeah. messenger. So being able to, to communicate with a, a ridiculous amount of people in an automated way, in a highly scalable way, seems, seems like a very, very good opportunity. I was trying to get into that a while ago. It wasn't a priority for me, but I might, might pivot back to that in a little bit. So I, I'm glad you brought those up. And, and they're definitely a great, great um, potential I see as, as being an, a, a next big thing. Definitely. Definitely. What habits have served you most throughout either your business or just your life in general? Waking up early, hitting oh, early. the gym first thing. I mean, I wake up at like 5.45 and okay. then I go 
straight to the gym. So I, I try not to look at my phone for the first, like I try not to go on Instagram because I notice when I wake up, if I go on Instagram or on social media, that cortisol level in my body instantly spikes, right? And that transfers into the rest of your day. Like now you have high stress throughout the whole day. But if you wake up, you start your morning off right. You wake up nice and early, um, you know, get enough sleep, but wake up early and then uh, hit the gym or do something active, maybe go on a walk or a run, a jog outside. You know, now you're waking your body up and getting your, your body prepared for the day, right? Because this stuff that we do, I mean, of course, I'm sitting down all day behind my computer, but it's like, again, yeah, I'm sitting down all day, not moving. So it's like, it, it's, it's wears on the body. It wears yeah. on the body for a while. So you, you have to start your day off, right? Wake up, go hit the gym, eat something good, get your day started. Completely agree. I'm like the totally the same way for me. It's wake up early. It's go to the gym. It's to get my body moving. Because if I don't, I just feel off for the rest of the day. If I don't like get something active going on at the beginning of the day, the rest yeah. of the day just feels, I don't know. I just feel sluggish. I just feel like I'm not as awake as I could be. So I think that's huge. I have been getting stuck in my DMs though in the mornings, which is something that I'm trying to <laughs> trying to pivot away from because there's just, it, it's so tempting, but yeah. it's something that I'm trying to trying to quarantine to like a certain time of day and not just have it be my entire day. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely a process. Yeah. What content are you consuming right now? Is there any uh, YouTube channel, Instagram page, podcast that you are um, routinely listening to or any books you're reading? Um, books. I read a really good book because I try not to consume too much content nowadays. Like okay. I'm in the point of my business where I try to limit that because what you'll notice is like, when you get further in your business, the more content you consume, it's kind of like more time spent that could have been on your business rather yep. than consuming content. So I, I try to limit myself. But books, a really good one I read was um, Relentless by Tim Grover. Like I keep talking about this book because it was just a really good book. Um, Tim Grover was the co um, trainer for Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, Dwayne Wade, some of the best in the industry. And, um, he just shows like what, and he calls it, um, a cleaner, right? What a cleaner is and, and kind of like the mindset and the, the routines and the habits that someone of that level has, right? Um, and then how you can, you know, he doesn't tell you that you have to be like that, but he's just saying, if you are aspiring to be like someone like that, then here are the character traits, right? Hmm. So it's kind of nice to kind of compare. It's kind of like, okay, wh where in my life can I improve to be more like a cleaner, like Kobe Bryant, right? So um, I think that was a great book. Uh, also, Driven by Manny Koshman. He's a real estate mogul over here, actually, in local Newport Beach. Hmm. Um, he, he's actually the one who inspired me to get a McLaren because I saw his a couple of years back, he had a McLaren P1. I didn't even know what kind of car it was. I was like, whoa, what was that? <laughs> and uh, I found him on Instagram. And uh, his story was very, man, like just the stuff that he went through, like it really inspires me because I'm like, wow, if he went through that, I know that I could, you know, achieve and accomplish things because it's nice to hear stories of people that went through much more horrible things than you have. And it's mm -hmm. like, they still made it right. They still push to the top. So yeah, it puts it in perspective. I'll have to check them out. I'll definitely link up both those books in the, uh, in the show notes for this podcast as well. If you guys want to look at those as well. Uh, okay. What do you do in your business that doesn't scale? 
So when I say doesn't scale, I mean, it's something that you can't be mass produced. So personally, I like to send video DMs to people who I either look up to or just like random followers. I'll pick like 10 people and just like send them a 15 second message saying hello and whatnot. Um, so do you yeah. do anything in your business that isn't particularly scalable? Yeah. So my, you know, the personal brand side of my business, yeah. it, it's all personal, you know, and, and I noticed that it really can't be scaled because when you hire an assistant to answer your messages and, and stuff, like it's not personal. No. And, and it's funny because a lot of people will say, Oh, is this Ryan's assistant? And I'm like, I'll send him a video and be like, no man, it's <laughs> no. me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm back to you through my DMs. So, um, I think if you are an influencer or you are starting your personal brand, like it's something that's definitely harder to scale and you have to be willing to set aside a few hours, like a couple hours or a few hours to message people. Yep. And completely agree. Yeah. You got to make those connections. Yep. So where can, where can people find out more about you, Ryan? If people want to follow up with you, where should we send our listeners? What should I link up in the show notes? Um, let, let her yeah. Definitely uh, DM me at Ryan Hildreth official. Uh, you know, I answer all my DMS. I try to, you know, respond within 24 hours. Um, you can go to my YouTube channel, Ryan Hildreth. It's just my name. Um, and yeah, and Facebook, I mean, I'm on there too as well, but, uh, Instagram is probably the best place to get in touch with me. All right. Sounds like a plan. We'll shoot him a message guys. Ryan, thank you again for your time spending it here on young smart money. I really appreciate it. Have a wonderful day, man. Thanks man. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Young Smart Money. If you want to support the show, you can do so in three different ways. You can subscribe, you can leave me five, and you can share this episode with a friend. To subscribe, all you got to do is click the subscribe button on Apple Podcasts. To leave me five, all you got to do is scroll all the way down to the bottom of the podcast's page for Young Smart Money and click on the write a review button. And to share with a friend, all you got to do is screenshot yourself listening to this episode, post on your Instagram story, tag me, and I'll be sure to repost it in my Instagram story as well. I love giving you guys some attention who are listening to the show. Thanks for listening and I'll see you in the next one.